Welcome to the SBP Podcast, the voice of mobile film from San Diego and around the world, bringing you the voice of the industry making films with smartphones. I'm Susie Botello. You've just arrived to episode six of the SBP Podcast. We're going to New York. We're going to talk to Jeff Turboff. He's going to show us how to make animated films using a smartphone. All right, here we go. We're in New York. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the SBP podcast. You, Where in New York are you anyways? Hello, Susie. I'm in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Oh, Manhattan. How do you pronounce that there? Manhattan. Manhattan? Manhattan. Like the Mad Hatter? Like the Mad Hatter. <laughs> Sounds cool. <laughs> um, so, Jeff, uh, Jeff, we met back in 2013. And I say back because it's just for it's 2017 now. It just feels like ages ago, but it kind it of does. feels like yesterday too. Yeah. Um, but uh, I wanted you to share with our listeners a little bit about who Jeff Turboff is um, and your, you know, your your work, um, your what you do for work you know, to eat and all that, <laughs> what you do for fun, um, your filmmaking experience, your acting and all that. And then later we'll talk about mobile filmmaking. Okay. Well, I'm an editor at uh, ABC News Nightline. Uh, and um, and on the side, I make films. I make uh, short films mostly. I've made a music video. I have a feature-length documentary. Um, I write them mostly. I direct them, I edit them. Sometimes I sound, mix, music, uh, compose, uh, whatever it takes. You know, it's indie film, so a lot of times you wear a lot of hats, <laughs> as you know. Well, I'm just thinking about the whole Mad Hatter thing. It was perfect segue there. <laughs> <laughs> and you're an actor. Yes, sometimes, when they'll let me. <laughs> I'm letting you. I'm letting you. <laughs> well, the first time that we met, you submitted your film, Fool's Parade, right? Yes, a music video for the band Trumpeter Swan. So tell us a little bit about how... Actually, why don't you tell us a little bit how you found out about mobile filmmaking and the film festivals to even submit that film or... Did you find the film festival first, or did you make the film first, or how that went? Oh, I don't remember. You're going to have to help me remember. Did okay. you reach out to me? I think maybe you reached out to me and found me, and because you weren't on without a box or or the other one yet, were you? No, I wasn't. It was yeah. I was I was practically accepting films through like text if it took that at the time. Um, I oh, you know. I was doing a lot of research into how can I get the word out about the film, and I might have found you just by Googling mobile filmmaking. Yeah, I think that's how – I think you found me some in some way like yeah. that because I remember – I used to ask everybody, how would you find me, you know, Yeah. back at that in, – in the day. <laughs> well, I'm glad I did because I had a great time in San Diego, wonderful city. Weather is perfect all the time, amazing. And uh, meeting you was a blast. And, and Max Schlesser, who is a wonderful resource and an ally. 
Yeah, he was uh, he was living in, you know, he moved to Australia, but um, he was living in New Zealand at the time. Yeah, what a trek to go from New Zealand to San Diego. Yeah. But we all met there, and that was great. And um, got to show the, my film there. Yeah, and, was, and you came to the to the film. You know, actually, now that I'm remembering, you submitted your film. You were already in. You were already, you know, selected uh, as an official entry. And then I I remember somewhere on our on our Facebook page, I posted about our our film school kickoff. Right. And um, and then you emailed me or something and you told me, you know what, I really want to go to that. I, I got a ticket. I've got a thing and I want to go, but I want to know if I can talk about filmmaking, too, you know, and and I was really open to it. And I believe it was like Valentine's Day weekend or something like that in February, right? I don't remember that, but okay. I'm just it was still in the 70s in San Diego. In the... <laughs> <laughs> it was in the night in the in the seventies or eighties or something. It was like incredible yeah. weather. Yeah, well that's always you should I mean, we just had Thanksgiving here and it was in the nineties. So Whoa. Yeah. Um but yeah, I remember that and so we met and then a couple months after that was when we had the actual film festival. But tell Tell us but a first, you had to you you had to do a lot of convincing to get me out there. You're, like, <laughs> I was like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> no, you were loving it. it. Country, and you're like, this is good for you. Come, you'll have fun too. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, yeah why not? Yeah, sure. Because, I twisted your arm because you were freezing over there in New York at the time. I, I remember that you were like, well, I, I got, don't know. I got this thing now where I just want to check things off the list like if i haven't done it in life it's time to say yes to it for the most part you know within reason right. if it's not going to get me in trouble i'll probably do it <laughs> so, so i think uh you know going to san diego that was part of that it was a lot of fun actually because we got That's to walk around downtown we walked a lot and um we actually, I think that that um, that I stayed workshop. at that haunted hotel in downtown, but I didn't see the ghost. <laughs> Do you know about the haunted hotel? Yeah, what was that called? I um, don't remember. There was some card player in the 1800s who got shot trying to cheat at cards, and then he ran up to his room and hid in the armoire. But the guy said he cheated uh, at cards, found him right away, and shot him dead in the armoire. So I was like. I couldn't get the room. I tried to get that exact room. <laughs> I couldn't get the room. But then like at two and two o'clock in the morning, I was like sort of lurking around the room in the stairwell where he's reported to be. And I couldn't find him. <laughs> you know, all of San Diego for the most part is like haunted. You know, there are different places in San Diego that are haunted because there's the Hotel Dell, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if... if our listeners are probably going, what, why are they going into all this? <laughs> but it's just like, well, if you come to San Diego. <laughs> well, was, also story ideas. Come yeah, on. Yeah, right. You know, that I actually, when I finished, well, my last class, remember the Blair Witch Project? Yes, I do. Yeah. So that was in the 90s and I was in college at the time and I got this idea for our last uh, project of, of our filmmaking class to do a documentary on haunted San Diego. 
And so we went to do Old Town, basically. Um, and we found out that, uh, first of all, that the Star of India is not haunted, which is that, that ship. That um, that we couldn't find Elfin Park. We almost, uh, my car almost flipped on a dirt road trying to find it through maps and stuff. We didn't have uh, MapQuest at the time or any Google Maps. <laughs> and um, and then um, outside of that, we found out that the hotel, um, the that Whaley House was haunted. But, um, and, uh, Old Town was also haunted, but the gravestones that were there were fake. The, the actual graves, the real graves are under the parking, uh, spaces there on the sidewalk. So it was a really interesting story, but we were in the Whaley house doing, um, filming and it was a lot of fun. We got to go in all the rooms and the, the woman that was, um, letting us, you know, and, and we interviewed her. She just said, you can go in wherever you want. And she unlocked things for us. It was fantastic. But, um, we didn't catch. And is that a film we can all see now? You know what? I, you know, that was recorded in old mini DV tapes at the Ah. time on, uh, on a Canon GL2, I believe. And I can't find those. They mysteriously disappeared. The tapes? Yeah. Isn't that weird? Uh, yeah, the ghosts m- took them. I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. If you come to San Diego, we can share spooky stories too. Um, again, um, and it'd be great to see you again in San Diego. But uh, why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about your film, the the first one, the Fool's Parade, because that was. So oh, you want to talk work. about film? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Mobile film, yeah. nonetheless. Okay. Here we are. Okay. Yeah. The podcast about filmmaking, mobile filmmaking. Yeah. So back to one. Here we go. Yeah. Um, so I made that film. Uh, I had uh, Drew Patrizzi is the sort of founding and central member of Trumpeter Swan. And um, he 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 and I have a mutual friend in this fellow Jeremy Phillips, who, when he he was looking to move to New York City, he's a, also a video editor. He found me sort of randomly on the web because he and I went to the same alma mater, University of Texas at Austin. And he was like, hey, I'm an editor. I'm moving to New York City. Can you get me some work? And I said, yeah, I'll try to get you some work over at ABC. So I got him over at a- got him in over at ABC. And uh, he started working for Good Morning America. And then he made a music video for Drew and the band Trumpeter Swan. And then I said to Drew, hey, you know, why don't I make one for you? And then um, so Drew said yes. And, uh, started kicking around some ideas and, uh, what I came up with was, well, I didn't really, I didn't really have this as a concept first, but I was playing around with an app an uh, a photo app called phototropodelic on the iPhone where you take a photo and then you pass it through the app. It's not meant for video. You take a photo, you pass it through the app. It makes it look sort of like, um, kind of like the Beatles yellow submarine cartoon or like a Peter Max painting. Psychedelic. You know what I'm 
Yeah, real psychedelic, trippy looking, kind of very 60s-ish. And then I started doing the – I had taken a a photograph of just this bottle of Clorox wipes on my desk at work. And then I passed it through Phototropodelic, and it's so – you know, there's an element of randomness to it. So uh, it make, kind of made me want to pass it through multiple times, you know and get different iterations of this phototropodelicized look to this, to this one photo. And as I'm flipping through the photos on my phone, it was like, uh, it was like, Oh my God, I've discovered it. It's, it's moving pictures. I mean, this must've been what the, who, you know, the invention of motion pictures must've felt like in the, you know, I, I, that feeling that, when Euripides, you know, figured out that however much water he's displacing in the in the tub is how much water his how much he's taking up with his bodily you know mass. There was Eureka, you know, like I found it because I'm flipping through these photos and I'm realizing, wait, this is a this is a motion picture, hmm. and I already knew that um, you you could break up video and export it as stills and you could import stills and reassemble them as video so it was just a matter of playing with some process and some apps and figuring out okay how can i make this all work together so that i can take so that i can basically shoot the music video as a live performance you know shoot normally right. basically shoot shoot a normal music video and then edit it all together and then export it. It turned out to be, I think, 5,016 still frames of, uh, from the music video. That's just from the crazy. Ed- and then passing each of those 5,016 stills through Phototropodelic. And then reassembling it as, as moving video. And it's, it's just a visual like fireworks display almost. It's really you know, eye-popping. Yeah. And I was just sort of fascinated with the whole process of of uh, turning this 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 app that was only really meant for photos into something that I could use for video. So of course I scrambled looking for has anybody done this? Has anybody figured this out yet? Am I the first one? Am I the first one? Because if I'm the first one, then I'm going to do it. So once I had figured out the process, I I pitched it to uh, to Drew and I said, Hey, what about we do something with this? And he was into it. And so I put him on all these crazy costumes and, you know, he hated that, but <laughs> he, he, he went along for the ride because it, it worked with the aesthetic, I think. And, um, and it's gotten something like 16,000 views so far. Wow. And, and it got some, it got, I mean, for a little indie band that not a lot of people know about, I would say, wow. Yeah. And, uh, his music's very good. And, um, and I think the, the feel of the video uh, goes well with the music and I'm proud of it. And it's got, you know, it picked up a little bit of press. Uh, there's an article I sent you that maybe, I don't know if you're going to link it or not, but, um, on mobilemoviemaking.com, there's an article about the making of it and, uh, people can read more about it there, but I pretty much told you in a nutshell what, you know, what the process was. Yeah, no, definitely. I will add the link to that, and I'll also add the the link to the video itself um, as oh, well. Great. Yeah, on Vimeo. Yeah, or I mean, it's 
it's on both, but I think you're better off watching it on Vimeo because uh, the quality seems a little bit better on Vimeo. Yeah, the aesthetics. Um, well, I think they just they just all their videos. Anything you put on Vimeo looks better than on YouTube. I've done some experimenting with that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's really interesting. How did you do the? I mean, I know, but uh, for the listeners, so you so you broke up. You basically you had the video, and then you basically took all the frames and and turned them into photos, right from the video. Okay, so I shot with my iPhone 4S. Okay, and uh, all the vi all the original video footage was captured with the phone, and then I edited conventionally on an Avid an avid news cutter on a desktop. And then, um, and then there's, a basically you export as a PNG sequence. I think you can also export as a JPEG sequence, but basically what it does is it takes the 5,016 frames, uh, and exports them as 5,016 individual pictures. And then it was just a matter of passing each one through the through the app and then reassembling them, saving them off. How long did that oh, take all by itself? So the, the, the shoot was only two days. Right. But the, the process of passing all those frames through Phototropodelic was months. I mean, wow. I was I was processing photos on the subway. I was processing photos on the street corner on the toilet in bed instead of going to sleep at night <laughs> anywhere you could think I, because there were so many to get through it was I, I, there were certain points at which i was like why did i take this on this is torturous what am i thinking but you had but, somehow already reached that point of no return though right absolutely when you got when you do it i mean you just got to do it you know in for a penny in for a pound how did your say. phone memory do with that by the way well, there was a lot of offloading, you know, th taking b batches, finishing a batch, and then um, exporting, you know, ex you know load offloading that batch yeah. to a to a hard drive because there's no way the phone could hand. I mean, back back then the the 4s, I didn't have. I don't think they made a 64 gig or anything that big back then. Oh no! I think it was. I think it was 16, maybe. I, I and, it may have even been less than I think it was like maybe twelve or something. I don't know to be honest. Yeah, it yeah. was it was small and and I had other apps and I wasn't it, you right. know I wasn't ready to take all my other apps off the phone in order to dedicate to the project. So it was a lot of shuffling files around, um, and you know there was a lot of using Dropbox interfacing with Dropbox so I could like. Imp like uh, maybe I'd take like the first three shots, let's say, and I don't know how many frames that was. Let's say it's uh, I don't know two or three hundred. I don't know. Uh, the math is no good, but whatever it was, I'd take a batch. Let me start that over. <laughs> so, so you know, I'd i inter. I'd, I'm gonna start that again. You'll edit this out. No. Yes. <laughs> you won't. <laughs> I just, you know what? I like to just keep keep going with this. I mean, it's like you know, uh, just mean. people are in the room with us. You don't see them. I don't see. Just think of ghosts, but they're here. <laughs> okay. In that case, now I sound like I'm rambling. Uh, there was a lot of interfacing with Dropbox, and so 
you know, I would take a batch of like two or three shots at a time in uh, video shots, which meant that batch of exported JPEGs or PNGs, whichever it was I was using, and then import those like two or three shots and then process all the stills that comprise those shots and then offload those back onto Dropbox. So I had a, like a Dropbox folder of need to be processed and a Dropbox folder of have been processed and then subfolders within that shot one, shot two, shot three. It's all very boring stuff. You know, the file. But that's how you stay, uh, you stay organized, you know, and you're a video editor. I was a media manager, so I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's very worthwhile. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm OCD in that way that I need feel a need to have everything organized. But if I like changed my mind about anything or if I skipped one in the order, then if I wasn't organized, I would have to, you know, I would just have to throw it out or start that batch over or whatever. It was just a necessity to keep yeah. it organized. Yeah, you're so, talking about over 5,000, you know, frames. I mean, you, you, yeah. if you make a mistake and there's something missing in one, you're like, oh, my God, you're just pulling all your hair out. Yeah, and you have to keep it in small batches. Otherwise, you know, you can't, you can't really do 5,000. And then, like, what if you miss one? Then you're like, oh, <laughs> I missed on number 3,916. Time to start over. No. God. Just Especially break after it up. months. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, you just break break it up into smaller chunks, you know. So so once you were done with processing them, then you had to go I remember now you telling me this, then you had to go back and turn them all into a video again. Well, yeah, it's it's it wasn't hard. It's an automated feature in the Avid where basically you point the Avid to the file, the folders, yeah, where all where all the uh, I mean the folder where all the um, stills are, and you say re uh, you say reassemble as as moving video or something like that, and basically it looks at at the at the folder, and if they're all sequential. If you've numbered them correctly, yeah, and, which is an automated process, but if you skip one or you redo one, then it, then you have to hand renumber them. But anyway, basically, it's looking at that folder, and if you have like zero zero one JPEG through zero zero or through you know one hundred JPEG, then it's going to take those hundred and it's going to go and reassemble it as a shot, <laughs> as a shot of moving video. Yeah, and then so um, you know I don't know how many shots were in the video altogether that made up that 5016 but let's say there was i don't know if, uh, whatever it was maybe 600 so it would take i would take those 600 shots and lay them back in on the timeline sort of superimposing them over the original live video ah and then drew preferred an aesthetic where it was mostly the animation i really wanted it to be sort of more of a mixture between the live and the animated, but he likes his anonymity for some reason. So he wanted, he kept pushing, pushing it towards the, Oh, make it more of the animation and less of, of us, you know, live. So that's where we ended up was, it was about a 90% to 10% mix, something like that of the superimposed animation over the live video. If you look carefully in some frames, you can, you can see, um, you know, the lot the real footage that was behind the whole thing. It looks really good on the big screen too. It's a real trip on the big screen. It is a trip. <laughs>
It is a trip. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where, I mean, you could have a party and play that on a big screen in the background and, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And you know, the funny ironic thing is I reached out to, uh, the guy who developed the app afterwards to say, Hey, I did something cool with your app. Check it out. And Larry Weinberg, I think is his name. I'm going to have to check on that. But he was like, Oh, if you do another one of those, let me know. I can automate that process for you. (laughs) (laughs) For like five minutes as opposed to, or even five seconds as opposed to five months. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But there's some, you know, there's some bragging rights to be had by doing it by hand. Yeah. Well, yeah, you learned a lot and through that process, but still, I mean, it it's all worthwhile. It's like, you know, you're making an epic film regardless. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So, so I, re- yeah. I did a similar process with the, with another animated film Re- Requiem. That's what I wanted you to, to talk about because you also submitted that. Now, was it in 2016? Am I correct about that? I don't remember. I, I believe you. I I'm I don't remember if it was let this the not it wasn't this last one which was this year this last April I think it was the one before the that, previous year be. yeah I believe that is right yeah that sounds right to me yes and um, that one was really trippy but what I want to know too about that one is the story behind it what prompted you to make that film okay so I had this app called Oh Snap this one was done with a similar process but different workflow and different apps. So Osnap is an amazing, amazing, uh, 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 stop frame animation, uh, app. Basically you can, you can either set it to fire off a photo every X number of seconds. Hey, is that available for Androids too? Cause our listeners want to know they're asking. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, let me take a quick look on my laptop here. Let's see what happens. See what happens. Let's see what happens. I haven't heard anyone say "oh snap" in a long time. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe they need to update their. Uh... Well, I think it it's looks... cool. <laughs> anyway, while I'm looking for that, uh, it doesn't look like. No, it does. It looks like it's. Uh, I think. I think it. Well, no, maybe it's our iPhone. listeners. It's iPhone come up only. Ah, uh, well, maybe. But maybe if maybe if enough people request it, maybe they'll develop it for another that's platform. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So anyway, um, I was playing with this app, which I had played with before. It's very powerful, very flexible. You can, you know, you can really, you know, set your frame rate. You can set your uh, whether you want it landscape or portrait, or what resolution, da 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 da, and then uh, after you've done all your capture, you can uh, play it back at very. You can tell it what frame rate at which you want to export it or play it back. Hmm. You can vary the frame rate. You're not locked into an initial choice with that. And so basically, I was just sort of riding the bus home and I started doing a video selfie with this app oh snap and it's firing off all the photos and I just thought that'll be kind of cool to have like an animated thing you know again this is made for still I mean it's it's um I don't think that they're thinking video in this thing ah. I, I I have 
it's been a long time since I've really messed with it. But um, I just thought it would be cool to do, to play with. And so I, I did this this sort of selfie, you know, time lapsey kind of thing on the way home. And then and then um, I ended up passing each of those frames through uh, an app called Tune Paint, which makes it look sort of like it was drawn as a comic book. Nice. I think now, I've heard of that one, actually. Tune Paint is cool. Uh, I decided there's not really a way to color Tune Paint except by hand. No, that's not true anymore. At the time, uh, it was color it by hand or leave it uncolored. Hmm. But the character that, um, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I, I did all the, the Tune Painting of all the stills that, uh, came from the O Snap video so and then now, reassembled that. Oh, you can reassemble in O Snap. You can pull photos in and make video out of the stills and then export it as video. Yeah, it's coming back to me. So you can take all your stills, you can export it as video, you can uh, pull in stills and export it as video. So basically, I took all the stills and exported from O Snap pulled each one into tune paint and individually processed each one of those frames and then reassembled by pulling in the tune painted videos back into Osnap and then exporting from Osnap. But there was no, there was no concept to this. It was just, you just sort of shooting, uh, you know, just sort of experimenting or was there some yeah. sort of a story to there it? There was or? no story at the beginning. Okay. I just, I just did the thing and then, once I ha uh, had tune painted the the two minutes or so of video that I had done, uh, it gave me a certain feeling, and then I just sort of started riffing with uh, with like a voiceover. Okay. And then I I wrote a thing, and then I voiced, and then I once I had written it, I voiced over, I, I recorded a voiceover, and then attached that to my edited, I mean, you know, to my tune painted video, and then that was it. And then I was like, oh, this is kind of rich territory for mining. Maybe I ought to make another one, you know. Mm. And then, so I went out into Times Square and made another one wandering around Times Square. It was sort of a sort of a mishmash between selfie side video and uh, looking at all the crazy stuff that you can see out in Times Square. You know, the people in the Elmo costumes and the tourists and the caricature artists and the, you know, the the guy posing a statue of liberty and the robocop and the jesus freaks and you know all that <laughs> stuff you know it, it's a human zoo every day there that's so interesting and, and so i took you know i took all this video of, of that and then continued with this sort of very super cynical guy you know character who's like you know he's a, very much a misanthrope and and he's given up hope on a lot of stuff and and uh so you know wrote another voiceover to that and then attach that to a to a that one was slightly more crafted in the edit. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that also, you know, the the really cool thing that you're talking about here for people who are actors and not so much a filmmaker, um that's where your acting abilities come in, your character building where you're turning you you've taken a character and just sort of molded a situation around that character and created a little film and 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 then put it in film festivals. Yeah. Yeah, I have some idea to maybe uh I, there's been 3 of these so far. 
there was a third one uh, where the guy goes on a date. <laughs> and uh, my friend Casey Black was in that, and she she was amazing as usual. And uh, you know, he gets his his cynicism sort of overrides his, everything else uh, by the end of that film. But now there's three, so that's about six or seven minutes worth of stuff. And I I just rewatched those the other day, and I was like, you know, this character, this is really rich territory. I could expand it if I can just sit down and write a feature length film for this guy. I think there's enough there that I could do something with this. So I'm still sort of thinking through what that's going to be. But the process is, you know, is repetitive, but I think it's easy enough that I could do this in two minute chunks, two or three minute chunks. And, you know, you string together 42 or three minute chunks, you have a feature length film. Yeah. And, you know, we're accepting at the International Mobile Film Festival, we're accepting um, feature length films like 40 to 80 minutes. So I think that How would be... exciting. <laughs> well, that I think would everyone be... with a mobile phone and uh, ambitions to be a filmmaker should take their phone and make a feature film. Yeah, but they have to be cinematic. And and what I mean by that is not like they all have to look like Hollywood. What I mean is they have to have that quality. You know, it has to be. What's that quality? That quality, the cinematic quality, basically, you know what it is. It's just, it's just having that story form, having, you know, not just point and shoot type of a thing. And I think in animations and things like that, um, it, it's harder to do on a feature film, but I think you could do it. The whole point is, can you captivate an audience for, you know, a feature length film? I think what you're talking about is story. Yeah, more than anything. Story is king. Yeah, it really, really is. And that's why, you know, I was asking you about that before, if there was any kind of a story structure to your film, because you really have to be creative and talented to capture people's attention without even planning that, you know, in that way. Yeah, I'm reading a lot about story lately. And, you know, I I sort of, made those three Requiem films, uh, seat of the pants. But now I'm seeing that, you know, that they were based on a feeling and a sort of a character, but there's, there's not really a story there. Now the challenge is if I'm to expand it into a feature length film, I really do need a story and you can't just make 40 short films with a feeling and have it all hang together sort of magically. There's gotta be a plan. And um, there's tools out there. There's a lot of good books on on screenwriting and and storytelling. And you know, it takes some it takes some some research well, and some it, digging. It can get really complicated. But for the for the very simplest way to explain it is, you really just need a beginning, a middle, and an end. And if you keep stay focused on that, right, uh, you will get there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, yeah. You know, it's you got to watch out for that sort of sag in the middle, you know, <laughs> that lull where between between you know, between well, you the want beginning it to, and you the want end. it to peak. You want to have peaks throughout the film. Yeah. Or throughout the story, I should say. Just, I I mean, I, I think everybody who owns or has ever watched television knows that you can't bore your audience. No. You can't, you know, you got to keep it interesting. You got to keep you, all your, all your scenes need to have a purpose and they need to do something for the story. And if, if all your scenes have a purpose, then you're probably not going to bore. 
I think but, one of the coolest things too about watching films on on the phone or on the computer or something like that too is that remember on tell <laughs> I'm saying remember like it was like eons ago like so televisions don't even exist anymore. Remember those? Right, uh, because those were the days. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> I know people still watch TV. <laughs> Cable companies are probably coming out to get me now. Um, Have you cut the cord yet? I, I cut the cord back in, I think when I met you, I had already cut the cord. <laughs> yeah. There's so. so many apps now that you can see television shows on, on, on the, on the phone or on the computer. Well, yeah. Even if you want to watch like, or I don't a, know, what is it, Ellen TV. or anything like that, Ellen DeGeneres or any of those shows, they're on YouTube. They have, you know, the, the, the shows, the good parts of the shows anyways, you can mm -hmm. find them on YouTube. But um, the cool, the what I <laughs> what I was trying to make a point out of is that the old days <laughs> on televisions, you know, you always had there was a clock somewhere around it that was giving you the time, so you knew how how long the movie was just based on yeah. the clock, right, or the yeah. time that it aired or whatever, and like, you could almost gauge by looking at that that the show that this was the climax before the end, right? Yeah. Where if you're watching it in another way where you're not keeping track of the time, you're thinking that you're getting to the end because something is really getting to that climax point, mm. but then it doesn't end. And then another point even higher than that comes, and that can get even more mm. exciting, I think. It's another way of thinking about it but that's what i've noticed for me like i'll watch a netflix show or something like that and i'll put it on full oh. screen i'm not looking at a clock yeah i'm just absorbed well my new thing that i'm trying to do more and more as a filmmaker i think it's important is to study films instead of just watching them so yeah. a lot of sometimes i'll sit down and just watching a film i'll just write down what i see happening in terms of like you know, anything that that moves the plot forward, I'll just jot it down. Oh, the, this scene or anything that establishes a character or tells you something new about a character. I'll just be like, oh, the function of that scene was clearly, you know, the, uh, this kid, uh, he's he's a, he dr he's a driver for the for the crew. Right. He drive he drives the getaway car. OK, baby driver. <laughs> All right. So he, oh, and he loves music. Oh, OK. He meets the girl. Oh, OK. He really wants he really wants to get it away from the life but he's but he's trapped in into this life by the by the uh, by the debt that he owes to this this crime boss you know whatever like each scene just writing down what's going on in this scene and then at the end of the film you know it might take you four hours to watch the film instead of two to write down everything you see but at the end of the film you can look back at your notes and really see how this how the screenwriter structured the story and what the heck they were doing that got it so right that they were able to get the money to make a feature film based on their story. Yeah. I call I call it backwards engineering the movies. And I think it's I think it's crucial. Well, yeah, and in, in in my studies and in, in my film classes and stuff like that, we were actually given that as homework. Oh. So, you know, just to, call me Professor Jeff then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and on top of that, there are people in different parts of the world who don't have a film school nearby and they dream, you know, about going to Hollywood and being a film director um, and things like that. And I mean, remember Conrad Mess, he never he, he didn't go to any film school or anything 
And everything he learned was from having that dream of directing movies since he was a kid. And by basically studying films and how they were made yeah. and sort of doing that process. And you, you can learn a lot. You don't need film school anymore. Well, you I really, mean, I, you, mean you, I think your best film school is to watch movies, study movies, backwards engineer movies, watch those DVD extras to see all the insider stuff. Yeah. And secondly, make films. Just Get a camera, get your phone out, make a film. Even if it's like a dialogue scene, you know, you can make a film and figure out, oh, how does shooting dialogue actually work? I always thought it was so straightforward, but now I'm seeing it's there's some complicated things. What do I do when it's three people? The timing, do I do a single the or a dirty? timing before when you're cutting between uh, different people talking, you know, the timing on that has to be, it's more intricate so than people much realize. By just doing yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And transitions so, are another one. Where, but see, that's the thing, too, that I tell people a lot, which um, some people think I'm crazy for doing that, but you have to be able to to think about it. it. You know, like, you start editing, and you're playing with transitions, and, you know, you've got this long white transition or a fade-in or something like that, and you when you apply that transition, you realize what effect that has. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, if you go, if you, if you're fading into white, you know, Hey, that kind of looks like somebody just had a dream. Now we're looking at a dream next or mm. somebody passed out. Maybe they died and they've gone to heaven or they're having a vision where if it's just a, you know, uh, a black fade in and out or something like that, that means time has passed. Well, what if it's longer? Oh my God, a year has passed probably. You know, right. things like that. And and you don't need a film school for that, although they teach you that. Uh, you don't know why. Like, you don't know the terminology, for example. Like, uh, you know, people call it the grid for the, for the rule of thirds, you know, and things like that. But you still, it's part of our genes now. We've grown up and our, our own grandparents grew up with movies and television. Yeah. There's a film, there's definitely a film grammar. But you're also, you know, you can innovate that film grammar. You know, you look at like those flutter cuts in the movie Easy Rider. Nobody had done that as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, they, they did these transitions from scene to scene where they would alternate like, I don't know, maybe <laughs> like eight or ten alternations of the outgoing scene with the incoming scene. They would pop, 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 and then they're into the next scene. So it would be like uh the 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 scene that they're just finishing we'll call old scene and then the scene that's coming up would be new scene and it would go as they get to the end of the old scene they would go old new old new old new old new new you know ah. and then you'd be into and if you look at that no I, as far as i know nobody had done that before if so if one of your viewers wants to point one of those transitions out before easy rider let me know but um that's an innovation you know yeah and but you, it's good to know the rules before you break them. Yeah, it's like you again with your with your animation, the innovation of animation. I like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, getting really dorky here. <laughs> um, hurdy, hurdy, hurdy. Right. So okay. So what are the uh, what are the so we've already established that you basically were recording your audio for Requiem. Um, you know, uh, externally basically as a narration, right? Uh, yes, there was a little bit of sound. There was sort of more complicated sound design with each, uh, progressively next film. So the second film 
had um it, i also recorded some nat sounds out in times square and layered those in underneath cool. some of my uh some of my voice narration and then in the third in the third film uh the one where uh the guy goes on a date uh i had some music that i had previously created using a, a program i can't remember what it was called it was a loop based program uh and i had that laying around so i laid that in and uh that was mixed with the voiceover and I don't remember. Oh, and I had, I had Casey record some dialogue also. So there was sort of more, more and more moving parts with each new. And you also uh, need to light your scenes well for animation, right? I mean, no, no, not for that. Not for, not for the, uh, not for that film, not for those films. Uh, I mean the trumpeter Swan video, I used some lights, but for the, for the, um, Requiem films that were all just natural light. Hmm. Because yeah. I would just think that as it's going through the app to turn it into an animation, that if it's um, it's got too many shadows or something, it would have it wouldn't come out well. No, it seemed to work out fine for cool. no apparent reason. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Call it was it all very luck. random. Like, oh, it worked. <laughs> well, um, you know, the wonderful thing about using Tune Paint or Phototropodelic is you can hide a lot of stuff. You know, yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that was sort of rickety and jury rigged and, you know, didn't, it shouldn't have worked well in a, in a film, but, uh, because it's, you know, so heavily processed, you can't really see what's really going on. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cause it's, uh, you know, so if there's camera be... shake, if there's <laughs> camera shake, you know, it, if it was just regular live motion video, it would look like camera shake. But in, you know, once you tune paint, it looks like, Oh, it's smeared. How did <laughs> do that wow that's so cool man that's that's the uh that's the movie magic <laughs> um it certainly wasn't due to skill <laughs> so, so let's see what else could we so you've talked about the the process really um and and those were the the apps that you used uh, which apps do you plan to use now i'm i'm going with the fact that or maybe not a fact yet but that you are planning on on shooting a feature animation, right? I don't know if I'm going to do it. I have some other irons in the fire, and I would like to take that Requiem series and turn it into a feature. But so far, I haven't hit on the formula that's going to allow it to be a feature-length story. I don't want to do I don't want to do eighty or ninety minutes of animation which is very labor intensive unless Ooh. I have a story that really works well for it, you know? Well, maybe you can do a combination of, and the, the guy could be uh, entering different dimensions or going into dreamscapes or something like that in between. Well, I have some ideas, but I got to yeah. really, I really got to refine them a little bit more before I'm ready to commit to anything. I mean, that labor intensive, you know. Well, if I can twist your arm. <laughs> Ow, stop. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because, uh, yeah, I think you should. I really think they, it will be really interesting. I definitely want to see it. Um, yeah. But it's not like I'm a... asking you to jump off a three-story building <laughs> or anything. <laughs> if you do, take your phone with you and turn right. it on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have a film coming up uh, that I think I'm going to shoot in January with a cast of five and a very small crew, but it's not an I, I, it's not a mobile film. It's just oh. a conventional film. No, that's cool. Uh, so that's in pre-production right now. That's called Family Values. 
And, uh, yeah, so, you know, I'm not exclusively making mobile films. I had a film uh, that I shot in January of this last year, uh, and it, it won the Anthony Mindel Actor Workshop Film Festival Best Picture. How many so, films have you made? I mean, outside of the iPhone mm, films or... I don't know, maybe 20-ish. Wow. That's uh, most most of them zero budget. The you know there was one that I've spent real money on, Jimbo, uh, Jimbo the horror film. Uh, it's a twenty minute film that cost me way too much money. I don't even want to mention, but you could look it up on IMDb if you really wanted to. Uh, and it turned out okay. It got some festival play. Um, I made some mistakes, but you know, live and learn. Move on to the next one. Yeah, you never learn anything if you never make a mistake. No. I mean, I hate the word. I don't ever really like to say never, but <laughs> uh, but it's true. Um, and that's the whole point of it. And that's why I'm thinking that it would be really great if you could make a another mobile film because you've gone through these, this intricate process already a few times. Um, and all you could have done with that is learned a lot. So I'm really looking yeah. forward to the next time that you make a film. I would like to make another mobile film. And now, you know, now the cameras are getting so good. Ugh. And, you know, between the lenses that they're providing on the newest cameras and uh, there's an app called Film uh, Filmic Pro, right. which basically all but turns your iPhone into a into a, a DSLR, pretty much. I mean, you can do all kinds of stuff with this very powerful program like, uh, you know, Rack Focus and even Rack Iris and... Um, there's just, uh, you know, you can set a rock steady frame rate, which is really important because the, the, uh, the, you know, the, the default camera program on the iPhone doesn't, sh it shoots at a variable frame rate, not a rock steady frame rate. Right. So it's important if you're doing anything with sync sound to shoot at a rock steady frame rate. Otherwise you get drift with your audio, your audio will start getting out of sync pretty, you know, if you, if you set, if you record audio separately. Uh, then you'll get Especially drift. if it's more than just a few seconds. Yeah. You know? So, you know, film, I've, uh, the Filmic Pro program is a really big help for that. So, I mean, that's how they made Tangerine was with Filmic Pro. Those were on, done on uh, uh, iPhone 5s or 5S, I think. Yeah, 5S, if, if I'm remembering that correctly. And they had some kind of Moondog adapter, which is a yeah. hardware thing. But uh, is it Moondog or Moonlab? I, th I don't know. You know, you probably know better than me. Whatever it is, that you know, yeah, the anamorphic the looks uh, great. lenses, yeah, I know that's so cool, and it's bet way better. I mean, people crop too, but that doesn't that always kind of is not so good to do, um, as opposed to actually having an anamorphic lens on there. That's pretty yeah. exciting. Well, the the thing that's exciting to me about watching a film like like Tangerine is you don't know that it's an iPhone film unless someone tells you. But that's happening more and more too. More people are doing that. Yeah. Well, you know? the, what it means is that the gap between professional uh, professional looking and amateur looking films is closing rapidly. It also and, means it's a good story that captivates people where you don't even think, even if you knew it was shot with a phone, you completely forget. Absolutely. 
Absolutely, yeah. because story again, it goes back to story is king. If you've got a great story, it doesn't matter whether you shoot on a Pixel Vision 2000, on an iPhone, on a Lego phone, on a Barbie, uh, a, a Lego camera, a Barbie camera, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, if you've and, got a great story and maybe good sound, and it doesn't it, have to be is very forgivable. It doesn't have to be your story per se. I mean, look at Romeo and Juliet. It's been done as like Pocahontas and the Titanic and and that's all that same story it's just done in different ways so you can even take a story that's already out there that's a good story it doesn't necessarily have to be your own and but you can make it your own yeah adapt yeah yeah and um but but yeah but you can also take a moment of something that that happens or something that you see uh, like one of the filmmakers took that story um, uh, of the mur- murder, you know, in the the shooting in the movie theater, and mm. he started thinking like, what would what would happen if I was in a theater and I had to protect my family, and you know, and and somebody comes in and does that, and he made a movie out of it. It's called How mm-hmm. to um, How I Became a Movie Theater Murder. <laughs> he was in our film festival last year. Yes, and, but I that's, saw that film. Yeah, and that's how he came up with that. It's basically so you can have, you know, you could just wonder about something and let your creativity roll with it. And then that actually, you know, you just basically have to play. You you just have to play. You you have to be creative. You have to play with it. And that's the the really attractive part, I think, about filmmaking. And then you have to take it that step further like you did and actually do it. Well, I think, can I, am I allowed to mention that I judged for your film festival? Sure, of course you are. I think I okay. put you out there in the middle of the world, didn't I? <laughs> okay. So I uh, watched a lot of uh, I watched all the films that you sent me to watch. Yeah. And I was also a judge on a horror film festival that was not a mobile film festival. Yeah. And I got to say the quality of the mobile films that I saw was as a whole higher than the quality of the films that were that I judged at on that other festival that were not mobile films. So if as a filmmaker, you have reservations in terms of, oh, I don't have the right gear. Oh, da, da, you know, it's uh, everything's not in place. Oh, my prof- my actors aren't perfect. Forget all that. Just grab your phone and make your film because it's probably, it, you're going to figure it out. You can do it. And you don't need all the stars to align correctly before you decide to pull the trigger and say yes and make your film the the films I saw made on iPhones were so inspiring. Some of them, you could tell there was no budget, there was no professional actors, and still, great story. Yeah. Well, and that's that's something that I brought up uh, with several people when I was talking to them. I may have even brought it up at our Q&A, that um, sometimes when you have the big, you know, the red cam or whatever, you let your guard down. You're thinking, I got a great camera. This is going to come out great. But when you have a phone, you're going, I got to be careful. I got to make this great because I'm shooting it on a phone. <laughs> you know? So, so, yeah. So you just got to stop thinking about what you're shooting it with, really. First of all, it's that story. And then, and then use the tools that you think work best for it, you know, for, for making that happen. 
uh, unfortunately, to qualify to, for my film festival, you obviously have to make it with the phone. Sure. But in the end, it's about that story and it's about you succeeding with it. And you're going to succeed if you don't think too much about what camera you're going to use. I mean, use what you've got, obviously. I think what you're talking about is don't give a crap. Yeah. Really, there's a level of, okay, it's just an iPhone film, therefore I don't have to treat it as so precious. Let's just do the thing. And that's that's when yeah. you get to the gold. You know, when you really give yourself that freedom to like, all right, well, let's just have fun. Then you end up, everybody's less tense and everybody's just doing good work. Uh, there's kind of, that's kind of a, uh, the flip side to that though is that you get a lot of iPhone or, or Android, whatever, you know, phone, phone films that are shot they're just sort of point and shoot and then they're submitted to all these film festivals and um, uh those are the ones you didn't send me <laughs> that's right yeah well you know we had 268 69 whatever films and i watched them all and i had to select i think i sent you 40 or 38 or i can't remember i thought it was around 60 you know no, <laughs> no, I didn't okay. want to do that to any of you. Uh, you weren't the okay. only judge, but I didn't want to do that to you guys. Um, but out of all those films, there were a lot of the films that were actually pretty darn good that yeah. didn't end up getting selected as well. Because I yeah. do like to have a mix of different films. And I do like, um, I like to inspire filmmakers, you know, if they have a lot of potential there and things like that. And maybe their film isn't like, you know, superb. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, like what you're saying about the other film, the the traditional film festivals and the quality of those films, I've noticed that too, you know, that I've, I've you know, because I've, I'm watching all these films shot with phones and then I'll go and watch films at a, you know, traditional film festival and they're international, whatever. You get filmmakers from all over the world and, and I'm looking at their films and going... You know, the quality of some of the films for my film festival, a lot of them actually are better than some of these, you know? I saw I saw a lot of heart in the films that I watched from from your festival. Yeah, a lot and, of heart. And the messages. There were so many that just, like, popped with, like, uh, independent spirit. Yeah, that's it right there. As a matter of fact, I, we just finished the submission, you know, for the films for this next year coming up. And oh, great. Yeah, and I I got to watch, I only watched a few films, you know, so far, but um, there are already some of these films that I've seen that are just, they're like, oh, these, I mean, they move me, you know, I've been, I'm, this is going to be the seventh year. Wow, seven years already. I know, right? The seven year itch, is that what it is? And I'm still scratching. <laughs> they're, they're I want to have that looked at. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, what is wrong with me? They still, they still, I get emotional over them, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. They still move me. I'm still. How much like, bigger is the festival now? Um, well, it is. Well, the space, per se, is not bigger. But the people that show up, there are more people that show up. We had even more filmmakers that came from different parts of the world last year. I think we had like nine filmmakers total come. What you and know? How many what? submissions? Do you remember the uh, when I was saying what I really my dream was to see 
filmmakers from different parts of the world that were diverse, all sharing the red carpet, like kids and old people and people from different. That actually happened last year. Amazing. It's like icing on the cake now for me. I mean, it's not about money or, you know, fame or anything like that for me. It was about that. It was about seeing here we are on the red carpet, right? And there was a filmmaker from Chile, another one from Germany, another one from uh, Canada, another one from Australia, an 11-year-old girl and an 82-year-old woman. <laughs> I mean... Amazing. Uh, it was just unbelievable. And, but I, I want more diversity, obviously. Um, I think the more the merrier. And, to ha and everyone connected there. Everybody was uh, talking. They all met. They all had wonderful conversations. They remembered each other. They're on Facebook. And I can see that when someone, one of them posts something, they all follow with the likes, you know, so they're mm -hmm. all supporting each other. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it really, that's, that's the part of the, the film festival that I like the best. That's what moves yeah. me anyways, you know. Well, you know, I gotta say, I wish that more traditional filmmakers would turn to the iPhone now and then, just to, even as a lark, just like, you know what, let's talk, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to spend thousands of dollars making my next film. Let's just do a goof. Let's just, as a goof, let's just make one and send it off to the mobile film fest. Yeah. Who knows? You know, your 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 odds are kind of good doing well in the festival because it's it's a smaller pool than a lot of the festivals where you're going to get thousands and thousands of entries. Definitely, and um, that's actually and, starting to finally happen too. And it's you know you can really find a way to stand out in the mobile film festival. Well, you make a, if you're a good filmmaker and you can make a good film because you have good story and you just happen to be using an iPhone. Seems to me a no-brainer. There, there is an energy and a spirit about it too that I think uh, some of the more seasoned, the well-seasoned filmmakers might get a kick out of, and they may kind of go, "Wow, this is really nostalgia for me," you know, um, as well. So um, right. I, I want to play a, a little game here because uh, it's. I was just saying, you know, I was trying to make these podcasts. Um, a little shorter, but it looks like we're going into the hour here again. <laughs> ah. But it was really interesting and so much fun. And I think who cares about the, like a movie, right? Who's <laughs> watching the clock? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've actually, uh, for those listeners that haven't heard before, we're going to play a game. It's shout out time. Shout out time? It's shout out time? Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> How do you play? So, basically, I'm going to give you 20 seconds, mm. and um, in that 20 seconds, I want you to I want you to give a shout out to as many people as you'd like or can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good thing I have jotted down notes in preparation for this very moment, That's which right. is 100% spontaneous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so are you ready? I guess. Okay. okay get set. Let's, yeah. And go. Okay, John Cassavetes, Stanley Kubrick, Roman Polanski, Michael Haneke, Lars von Trier, Paul Thomas Anderson, Francis Ford Coppola, Darren Aronofsky, Adam Rifkin, Martin Scorsese, Mickey Rourke, Adrian Brody, Jack Nicholson, Matthew McConaughey, Sean Penn, Ethan Hawke, John Cusack, and Robert De Niro. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't get to the personal ones. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, why isn't this going away? <laughs> Sorry. I didn't even get to the personal ones. Those were just my filmmaking and acting heroes. Those oh, well. Those your personal friends? <laughs> Martin will Scorsese be. is that your buddy <laughs> he will be he shall be well, uh, this did is... I just use my time or was that a good use of my 20 seconds I don't know <laughs> well I could tell you one thing it was certainly uh, we're just have, we'll just have to air this podcast all over Hollywood in case any of them aren't listening I mean I don't know why they wouldn't be listening <laughs> um <laughs> But, uh, hey, maybe some of our audience can sort of point them in the right direction. <laughs> if they see them on the sidewalk there in Hollywood. Good old Hollywood, all classy and everything. Um, uh, now I feel like I misused my 20 seconds. It goes by so much quicker than you think. It really does. And then, you know, you get this loud, obnoxious alarm that sort of just freezes you on your tracks. Um, <laughs> is there... Um, well, you know, actually, I do want to tell our listeners that there is another part of this podcast, if they even feel <laughs> like listening. If you haven't had enough of hearing this guy. <laughs> um, so we have a Patreon account uh, page, and um, we're going we're gonna, to uh, basically ask you a question, which is going to be exclusively... Exclusive bonus material available only to Patreon subscribers. Is that what you're trying to say? I like how you said that actually better. <laughs> I'm like fumbling through it and you're like, blah, 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 like you're selling a Rolls Royce or something. Oh, uh, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's, let's tone it down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not. Let's just go for that because it's, it's true. Self. It is pretty exclusive. You're only going to get it if you go to the Patreon page. Ooh, um, I'm and um, and subscribe. You gotta subscribe and to it. Is there a is there a minimum for that or a maximum? There is. It's like a whole dollar. <laughs> Actually, no. For I, I'm I'm lying. I'm like really lying. It must be getting to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a minimum. You have to uh, for the for the podcast for that extra bit uh, is a minimum of five dollars. Five dollars per what? Oh, per five dollars a month, and I yeah. get bonus material. Yeah. And what else does that get me? It gets me uh, helping you. Yeah, it helps me, Ooh. you know, create this, keep keep this masterpiece going. This mobile film festival, the podcast, the you know. Oh, it everything. helps the festival. It helps the podcast. Yep. And it's, it helps the mobile films filmmaking school. That's still happening, right? Yep. Yep. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. It helps everything. Every all these uh, mobile filmmaking, which is basically, you know, like my life. <laughs> It's all about this. It's my passion. Um, you know, you know, I got to tell you, though, what the best part of this really is, is the conversations I get to have with people afterwards, um, mm. people from India and, you know, places that I'd never even heard of, I'm, you know, and they'll email me or they'll, you know, or, or message me on social media or whatever, social media, just because I don't feel like mentioning one, but say Facebook, <laughs> Twitter or whatever. And, um, and they'll, they'll actually tell me how excited it is that they are, that they get to be a part of the film festival. And then afterwards I'll hear from some of them again about their progress and where they're going and, 
you know, that they're making their next one, you know, even if they don't qualify to, to make it in because it's longer or whatever, they're still, we're still in touch. So I feel like I've got friends all over the world because of this. And, and I care and I really do care. And obviously they care enough to share, you know, what's going on with them. You know, I'm and, and you're watching a lot of independent films. I really am. And I'm, and I'm, that's an education it. in itself. Yeah. Well, and I then they're you, having I, the conversations with each one of them. Like, how did, how did you pull this off? You know, for the most part, like mm. you, I, I learned a lot. I don't have to make a mistake. I'll just let you guys all make them <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll learn. <laughs> oh, you put the camera there. Oh, and that didn't work. All right. Good to know. Note. Good to know. <laughs> Note to self. Right. So is there any any one little thing left that you would like? And I say little thing because I'm looking at the time. Uh, is there any one thing that you'd like to say other than that? Yes. Um, there is a film that I was in that is going to be coming out sometime soon. I was expecting that it was going to be finished November 10th, but there has been some delay in post-production. I'm not sure what the delay is or when it's coming out, but, um, a very, very super creepy film that I was, uh, that I played a lead role in down in Philadelphia back in, uh, end of May and early June, we shot over two weekends and it's about a 20 minute short called trapped in Amber. And, um, that should be coming out sometime soon. It's from wide eyed pictures and I don't know, it's going to be probably on the horror festival circuit, maybe on some more mainstream film festivals. I'm not sure. But I know that the director, Daniel Brown, has a habit of winning awards for his films. Awesome. So I and have some hopes that um, the film will do well. Do you have a synopsis? A little bit of a... Uh, it's... doesn't have to be official, just a little something yeah it's it's a guy who is a bit of an outcast in his town people are suspicious of him and they think he's creepy he's a barber and they think he's creepy and uh their suspicions about him uh are proven wrong but in the process you find you find out what's really going on with him which is a disturbing truth. There's a disturbing falsehood about him, which leads to discovering a disturbing truth about him. Wow. That's yeah, it was, a, it was a great role. Well, we'll have to, um, if you have a page or something like that, we'll, we'll have to get the link and put it on there as well. Well, you can, you can keep an eye out for it on wideeyedpictures.com. Daniel has a, all of his other previous films already there for you to watch for free, I believe. Oh, cool. And and when he's done with the film, I'm sure he'll post something there, and then eventually the whole film will be there, wideeyedpictures.com. Cool. We'll have to include that then at least. Great. Yeah. So, okay. So let's say goodbye to everybody, but stay on because we're going to – Goodbye to everybody. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Y'all come back now, you hear? Y'all <laughs> come back now, you hear? Thanks for listening to episode six with Jeff Turboff of the Mobile Filmmaking SBP podcast. Thanks again to Jeff Turboff from New York. 
and, uh, you know, for being part of the show. Also, don't miss out on being a Patreon, uh, a patron on our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash SBP podcast. Uh, make sure to tune in there for a really cool little uh, podcast uh, with some insights on, well, we'll just leave it as a surprise for now, but you're really going to get a lot out of that. 